and welcome to the Market Matters podcast from Emirates NBD. I'm Katija Hug, Chief Economist and Head of Research, and I'm joined today by Daniel Richards, uh, who is our MENA Economist, but we're going to be talking about the recent developments and the outlook for the UK economy. Hi, Daniel. Hi, good morning. It's been a big week for monetary policy. We had the Fed raising the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points to 4% on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the Bank of England followed suit with the 75 basis point hike uh, to 3%. But there was quite a big difference in the tone um, between the two policy meetings. So from the US, uh, the Fed chair was still uh, very hawkish in that he indicated that even if the pace of rate hikes slows down in the coming months, which is what we expect, ultimately the Fed funds rate could actually peak much higher than he had previously thought because inflation still seems to be quite sticky, uh, and the U.S. economy has been quite resilient to tighter monetary policy so far. Um, But the comments from the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey after the MPC meeting were actually quite um, dovish. So he pushed back against market expectations for the bank to push rates up to 5% next year, even though inflation in the U.K. is actually higher than in the U.S. It's currently sitting over 10%. So I guess the first point to ask is why is the Bank of England relatively dovish on rates going forward when seemingly their inflation issues are perhaps worse than those in the United States? I think essentially, um, to give a short answer, it comes down to the growth outlook. There is a very weak and deteriorating growth outlook in the UK at the moment. And indeed, that was stressed by uh, Governor Bailey yesterday in the press conference that essentially the, U- the UK rather has already entered a recession and is expected to remain there through until mid-2024. And that will bring with it demand destruction. Now, as you say, inflation has been very high, 10.1% at the latest print, but it expects that to come down quite sharply given the challenges facing demand. And that will come uh, from one side from rising unemployment. And indeed, when you look at the bank's uh, uh, employment uh, forecast, it now expects unemployment to rise from 3.5% currently to 6.5% down the line. So obviously that will bring some destruction with it. And also, even for those households that don't lose their jobs, right? household incomes are being eroded by this high inflation already. If you've got inflation at double digits, but that isn't being made met by wage hikes, then that will uh, eat into spending power. We're already seeing that reflected in some of the retail sales data and consumer confidence in YouGov polls. Everything is indicating that households are starting to wind down their spending where they can. Yeah, I don't suppose uh, the higher interest rates are helping households either, right? Because um, obviously mortgage rates have gone up with with interest rates, um, but it's actually probably a much faster pass-through in the UK than in the US because in the United States, I've always been astonished, people can lock in their mortgage rates for 30 years. Um, and a lot of people have done that over 2020 and 2021 when rates were very close to zero. Um, whereas in the UK, I remember for when I took my mortgage out over a decade ago now, um, you could only really get a fix for two years, maybe five years at most. Um, so that really means that anybody who took out a mortgage uh, during the pandemic uh, in 2020, 2021, will actually see those rates reset uh, at a significantly higher level 
in the next 12 to 18 months or so. So the pass through from higher interest rates to households um, in terms of the impact on their um, mortgages is going to be much faster, I think, in the UK than in the US. So that also presumably means less money to spend on non-essential items like going out. Yeah, I think that even if people aren't due to renew their mortgages, they're very much aware that this is something that's coming down the line. So even if they haven't been hit yet, I think it's only around 20% of households who are actually on variable rates that will have had that immediate impact. There are plenty who will be thinking, this is coming for me, it's going to get me, I'm renewing myself in April, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. But obviously, if you're living in the UK and earning in the UK, it's even more of an issue for you. So you will be conscious and thinking about that. And as you say, that's going to be another factor that's going to come into your mind when you're planning your expenditure. Now, fiscal policy has been a hot topic uh, in the UK. And I think it's fair to say that in some uh, in some ways of looking at it, the government today is actually in a worse position than it was four weeks ago when uh, former Prime Minister Truss announced her go for growth uh, fiscal strategy, which, which clearly uh, led to uh, fairly dire outcomes in terms of financial market volatility and pushed up borrowing costs very, very quickly. Um, so is the government today uh, in a more difficult position going forward than it was, let's say, in the summer? And what will they need to do to try and uh, reassure financial markets that they will be able to put the fiscal story back on track? Yeah, I think that was underscored by the commentary yesterday from Andrew Bailey. Again, he was stressing that he wasn't making a political point with any of this. If you look at the turmoil over the summer, essentially he was saying that you know, trust takes a long time, is easily lost and takes a long time to be regained. And that's going to affect borrowing costs for the government as much as it might do anyone else who loses the trust of their lenders. In order to resecure that, then they're going to have to go above and beyond in stressing that they are a fiscally prudent government that is spending wisely, that is looking after the books, trying to balance the books as as well as it can and not go after these uncosted spending splurge, which was essentially uh, the strategy the go for broke or the go for growth rather um, broke in the end. The go for growth was the intention of a, of a previous, I want to say previous government, of a previous prime minister and previous chancellor. Um, so we are going to see, we've had them stressing repeatedly over the past few weeks that this will be difficult time for everybody as we're going to go for a two-pronged attack. There will be tax hikes. We're seeing talk about rising um, dividends, taxation uh, over the last couple of days, and there will be spending cuts as and where they can make them. So really not a good story for uh, households or indeed corporates in the UK, seemingly. Uh, there's been some discussion about windfall taxes, not just on energy companies, but potentially on banks as well. Um, but I suppose if there's one silver lining um, to all of this is that at least uh, the government and the central bank are on the same page now when it comes to tackling inflation. So any move to raise taxes and cut spending uh, while it will obviously weigh on growth, does potentially reduce some of the inflationary um, drivers in, in the UK economy and perhaps sees inflation coming down more quickly. Um, and perhaps that's also why the Bank of England is saying they won't need to go up to 5% um, in, in order to try and, and bring inflation back to target. But I suppose time will tell. Um, now, given this fairly dire outlook for the economy, uh, for fiscal policy and indeed for monetary policy. What is the outlook for the pound? 
if if I'm going home for the holidays uh, over the winter, is it going to be cheaper than it was, uh, you know, would have been a few weeks ago? What what can we expect on the pound? Well, I mean, it's not going to be cheaper than it was, however, three weeks ago. Or so I guess when it really went when it really went down under that, um, yeah, when markets revolted against the, that fiscal event, that uncosted fiscal event under Liz Trust, but it is going to be somewhat weaker. And indeed, we saw it sell off again around two percent against the dollar yesterday on the back of this um, of this commentary. From uh, from from Andrew Bailey yesterday, but that, that, that rates won't go as high as markets expected. So you're going to have still quite an inflationary environment. You're going to have all this weakness in the UK economy, but they aren't going to be hiking to get ahead of that. So that will bring continue to bring pressure on the pound over the coming months. And then you have you, know, you have still quite an uncertain political outlook. You have the uncertain economic outlook. There aren't many upside factors for a pound at present, especially. When on the flip side, you still have that dollar strength that is that you know, like you said at the intro at the start, that was underlined or underscored by the commentary from Jerome Powell. By contrast, earlier this week, a stark contrast between the two um, the two press conferences, I guess, and that has you know, that is going to continue for some time yet. So even without the domestic issues around sterling and around the economy and the turmoil we've had there, you will have that dollar strength in any case. Well, I suppose if there is um, some benefit to to the UAE um, or people and companies operating in the UAE that have ties to the UK, it is that a weaker pound will make imports from the United Kingdom cheaper. So companies that are bringing in uh, machinery, uh, consumer goods, food, etc., um, that should be a little bit cheaper. And in fact, uh, it's the same story for imports from the Eurozone and uh, Japan uh, for the most part. So I, sus- I think when we, when we look at inflation pressures in the UAE, we've seen a lot of pressure coming from the services sectors. So we've seen a big jump, obviously, in housing costs, um, as well as uh, entertainment and hospitality. So if we have uh, cheaper imports on the goods side, then that will help to offset some of the inflationary pressures on the services side. So I think that is um, certainly something that we can benefit from here in the UAE. Um, but I think there are some some negative implications of a weaker pound as well, right? So when we look at the tourism sector, for example, um, around, uh, well, pre-COVID, uh, the UK was the third biggest source market for visitors to Dubai. Um, this year, it slipped to fourth place, but it's nevertheless an important market for us in terms of uh, visitors coming in. And a weaker pound makes Dubai a much more expensive destination for, for visitors from the UK. So we may see some softness uh, in those numbers over the next 12 months if, if the pound remains weak. Um, and also, we've seen historically UK visitors have been, or, or investors rather, have been a key source of demand. Uh, for buying real estate in Dubai. And again, as their home currency weakens, uh, this becomes more expensive for them. So we may see uh, some softness in terms of demand for for real estate from uh, British investors. Um, I do think, though, that one of the advantages of living in the UK is obviously the fact that it's a a low-tax destination, a low-tax economy. Um, and for, for those uh, British nationals that can find jobs here, 
uh, I think that becomes a much more attractive prospect, um, particularly given that our energy bills are, are not seeing the same kind of inflation uh, as uh, UK uh, energy bills. Um, so I think, you know, a lot more people are perhaps looking to move to the UAE um, given uh, its much stronger economy, um, demand for, for jobs and, and job growth, uh, and low cost of living in terms of taxes and, and energy. Uh, clearly, there are other components of the cost of living which perhaps might be a bit higher. But I think overall, it's a very attractive proposition now for, uh, for British expats who might be looking to, to relocate uh, out of uh, the UK, given um, the, the downside risks and the uncertainty over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, um, I think certainly. Um, sorry, if social media expat groups are anything to go by, then there's a very sharp rising in demand, as far as I can see, in terms of people asking every day who aren't resident here, "This is my industry. How do I get to work in Dubai?" Yeah, no, I've seen the same sorts of uh, of, of queries and interests. So, so let's see. Potentially, we have uh, more people coming in, which of course is good for for the UAE's economy and growth going forward. Um, I think that's. That's probably a podcast. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining me today, Daniel. And um, thank you to our listeners. If you have found this podcast useful and enjoyed it, please do uh, share it with your contacts and rate it uh, on whichever channel you are accessing it. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you. Thank you.